Hey guys, thank you so much for your patience. Welcome back to my podcast, the next episode of Sila. I just want to go ahead and explain that this episode does involve being in the setting of a hospital. So when I say certain things, um, I just want to go over what they mean with you so that when you're listening during the episode, you're not like, what, what is that? So really quickly, there will be beeping, there will be alarms, that is the attachment of monitors and the equipment that is used to keep an eye on the patient's vital signs. And then of course, there's a term that's called extubated, and that is the process of taking a patient off of a mechanical ventilator, which is a device that is used to help breathe for a patient. And following that is the removal of the tube that is within their trachea so that they can begin attempting to breathe on their own. I hope all of that makes sense. Let's just go ahead and dive into the episode. Xyla, Season 3, Episode 2. Maxwell's Perspective I was running, but I couldn't feel my legs. It felt as if every move I made was somehow made against me, and I was unsure of what I was running from. But I kept running and running. I wasn't out of breath either, but there was this dooming sense of urgency. Something was behind me, and I couldn't even look back to see what it was. All I knew was that what was ahead wasn't close enough, and what was behind was closing in. But then I felt it. I felt her. She trailed her nails up my spine, ran her fingers through my hair, and told me to turn around. So I did, as it was only then that I gained control over my body. And there she was, Zyla. Her hazel eyes appeared as a piercing green, Her lips were plumper in appearance, and her voice, as she said my name, mesmerized me. I was lost in her, no longer certain of the urgency that awaited me or the doom that was trailing me. Her hand cupped my cheek, and everything around us began to fall. Literally, the land on which we stood fell away, but we remained and we sat in darkness, complete and utter darkness. What do we do now? I asked, as my voice reverberated in the empty, expansive, lightless space. Come with me, she said, as she lifted her other hand to encompass my face. Anywhere, I'll go anywhere with you, I promised. But suddenly her hands fell away and the land that was initially surrounding us returned, but on fire. The impending doom also returned, and Zyla disappeared. The urge to continue running arrested me, but I couldn't move my legs fast enough. Fear that I would burn alive enveloped me, and I began shouting to anyone, someone, Zyla, to set me free. Suddenly, everything began to fade into what initially sounded like a warped alarm clock. 
I realized quickly that I was waking up to beeps and different variations of high-pitched noises. The first face I saw was a blur. It was an African-American woman with stunning bone structure, but she disappeared before my eyes could focus on anything. Oh, wow. You're awake, a feminine voice stated from somewhere in the room. Oh, oh, nope, don't, don't touch that, the voice half shouted. Apparently, I was reaching for the cords, the tubes, and the wires that were attached to me. I wanted to ask where I was and what was happening, but the minute I attempted to speak, something seemed to have been working against my voice box. So naturally, I reached to remove it, but was met with the same opposing feminine voice. No, she shouted again. And then, presumably to someone off in the distance, she shouted, Can someone please get Dr. Romans? He's the intensivist today, right? Then there was a distant, muffled voice in response to the woman shouting. And suddenly, a face came into view. Another blurry view. This blurry face, from what I could tell, looked nothing like the one I maybe imagined I saw when I first woke up. And then there was pain. This pain seemed to have been making its way through my body, stopping to visit every joint. No, she responded to, I presumed, the distant muffled voice. He's waking up and he's starting to pull on everything. We need these IVs and if he pulls his catheter, that'll be a hot mess. I heard a number of footsteps that appeared to have been flooding the room to hold me in place. All I knew was that this felt far too similar to the dream I just had, where I was trying to break free of the doom, the fire, and Sila, but couldn't. I was so unsure of what was happening. So I fought these people, and fought, and fought some more, until the darkness consumed me again. No fire, no doom, no Zyla, just darkness. Time comes and goes without my permission, it seemed, and I was awake again. I had less freedom over my limbs, and the tube that was impeding my freedom of speech was still in place. So I reached for it again, but I was met with resistance. I immediately felt defeated and refused to lose another fight. I gathered that maybe I was tied to whatever bed I was laying in, so I yanked with hope but minimal return. I heard quick footsteps then a sigh. Uh, Mr. Gabris, the voice came into view. Can you understand me? She asked. I nodded. Okay, my name is Melanie. I'm your nurse. I can remove the restraints, but you need to behave. You cannot pull on anything, okay? We, we may be able to get you extubated. She sounded like she was bargaining with me. She was a young Asian woman with her hair pulled back in a low, neat bun. I nodded again. Okay, so when I take these off, if you make any inappropriate or unsafe movements, we'll have to put them back on. I offered another nod. She removed one, then walked around to the other side of the bed to remove the other one. More professionals came into the room. Buttons were pressed. My arm kept getting squeezed. Questions were asked repeatedly. And before I knew it, days had gone by with the same motions 
of professionals. Finally, after what seemed like an eternity, I was being asked to take a deep breath, a tube was being pulled from my throat, and then I was encouraged to cough. I wanted to speak, and more importantly, I wanted to leave, but my body was actively working against me. Your wife came to visit, the nurse said. This was not Nurse Melanie, though. This was another nurse who seemed to remember a hazel-eyed, big-haired, brown-skinned beauty. Her words. My wife? My voice was so hoarse. It was only when I heard how broken I sound that everything set in and the events that put me here began flooding the forefront of my brain. The past several days had been a series of me nodding and shaking my head as my voice was stubborn in returning. I was in the hospital, in pain, with broken ribs and punctured organs, all because Zyla texted me, asking for me to come over. I had been elated especially because the last time we had hung out, she had left in a frenzy and gave me some bogus-ass excuse. I knew she was lying, and I didn't push. Now? Well, now somebody is going to give me answers. My life flashed before my eyes, and I'm certain that it's no coincidence it happened right after I was invited over by Zyla. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be telling you this, but your whole situation is being investigated. So I'm sure now that you're more awake, a different group of professionals will be flooding your room, asking you a different set of questions. I guess I'm telling you this because I know you'd like to recover in peace. I'm just not sure that'll be an option for you soon. So she shrugged. So brace yourself, I guess. Thank you, but uh, <clears throat> how many, how many times did uh, my wife visit? Mm, I only work three days a week, but I saw her at least three times since you've been hospitalized. Well, how long have I have I been here? Oh, honey, about two weeks. We weren't sure what to make of your situation. It's a miracle, really, that you're alive. I had so many questions, and I missed my kid, my daughter. The thought of never seeing my toothy Stephanie again somehow manifested into rage. I'm going to leave, I thought. If I stay here and wait for men in suits to ask me questions that I'm certain I don't have answers to, I'll never get answers of my own. My thoughts had begun to move a mile a minute at that point. Who's going to take this stuff off of me? I asked. I'm sorry? Her eyes widened. Who's going to release me? When can I go? Mr. Gabris, this isn't a jail, so we can't legally force you to stay, but I would strongly advise that you do stay. You're not in good shape. I mean, you are getting better, but this is still a very vulnerable state in the healing process, she explained. So no one is going to release me? I asked unsure of what my own plan was. Well, we can, but it would be against medical advice. I also have to call the doctor. Do whatever you got to do, but I'm leaving. Oh, Mr. Gabers, you can't even walk right now. I began pulling wires and sticky shit off my chest because I was going to show this nice nurse lady that I was, in fact, leaving. Okay, okay, hold on. 
Let me just get the paperwork for you to sign, and can you wait like ten minutes for the doctor? She bargained again. I nodded, mainly because it was incredibly painful to make the small movements that I'd just made. Talking only felt like it would exacerbate the pain. She disappeared as I continued to remove wires from my body, causing an array of beeping and alarms to join in symphony. Within ten minutes, a man in a white coat appeared offering me a spiel similar to the one the nurse gave me about healing and vulnerability. I just nodded and stated, I'm leaving, so somebody get me the shit I need to do so, because I am leaving. I would have already left if my body would have allowed it, but for obvious reasons I was moving slowly. Someone removed my IV, my Foley catheter, and all the other wires and tubes. The doctor handed me a piece of paper. I signed it and took the cane that the nurse, whose name I didn't quite catch, handed me. Someone else handed me a bag with a bunch of shit in it and began going over instructions on how to take care of myself once I stepped foot out this hospital. Before I knew it, I was painfully making my way to the elevator and out the door, awaiting my Uber to Zyla's home. When we arrived, I went to the coffee shop down the street from her spot so I could purchase a drink to take these painkillers, one of the stronger ones. I needed something, even though I vowed to stay away from these things during my battle with addiction. I sat in there for a few minutes to catch my breath. Turns out leaving the hospital sooner than what's necessary was in every way a bad idea. Still, I persisted and began my journey across the street to her prestigious building and up to her home. The address that she sent me still sat in my text from when she asked me to come over. I double-checked the apartment number before I decided to knock. Then I heard Sebastian's voice and the fury returned. I banged on the door with this newfound energy that I'm sure is being fueled by my rage. Zyla, open the fucking door! I was met with silence, so I lifted my hand to do another round of pummeling on her door when I heard her. Maxwell? Is that you? Her voice caused something in me to soften, but I couldn't allow it. Zyla! I called her name, but we both knew that this time there was less bass in my voice. Maxwell, I'm going to open the door, but you need to be calm. Immediately following that promise, I heard Sebastian's voice expressing obvious opposition to Zyla's decision. Oh, I'm sorry, I stated. I didn't realize your father was there. That did it, because the door flung open and Sebastian's angry eyes immediately softened. Jesus, Maxwell, you look... He exhaled. You look like shit. Zyla appeared in the doorway beside him, covered her mouth, and tears began to well in her eyes. That bad, huh? I asked. Well, fuck the two of you for living your best absolute intimate lives while I fought for mine. I wanted to drag Sebastian by the throat, but I was operating on minimal amounts of energy. Maxwell, Zyla's voice cracked as she exuded sorrow. So it appeared she did have a heart. Look at that. No, you don't get to say shit, I barked at her. You're the reason I'm here. You're the reason I'm half dead right now. Where's my kid? I shouted. Did you touch her? My fault. Maxwell. Her features were overtaken with shock, sincere shock but I know I'm not losing my mind. I have the text for proof. So I pulled out my phone and handed it to them with the proof shining brightly before them. Sebastian began shaking his head in, in disbelief, maybe? 
Maxwell, I never texted you this. Never. I would never do something like this, she shouted. Perhaps it's best we move this conversation indoors. The echo is allowing everyone in on this conversation, Sebastian offered. And thank God he did because I didn't have another moment of standing in me. He reached for me to offer more support, but I swatted his hand away. I collapsed on the couch, trying and failing to control my breathing. Maxwell, uh, you gotta go back to the hospital. You can't take care of yourself in this state, Sebastian offered. I'm not going back, I stated firmly, and my decision was final. I looked over at Zyla, who seemed to be studying my phone with intent. If she's planning to delete it, I have a screenshot, I thought. Maxwell, I don't know what to say. I never extended an invitation for you to come by. I don't know how this happened. She kept shaking her head. Should we tell the cops? She continued. I don't believe that coming forward with this information now would benefit you too much, Zyla, Sebastian offered. In fact, Maxwell shouldn't even be here. We still want answers, and we want them to take us seriously. So we should both find our way out of your home tonight before it's too late. Especially because now that you've left AMA, he looked at me. Things are about to get very interesting, he further explained. I'm innocent, so things will get interesting for the two of you, I yelled. I then tried to get up off the couch when a sharp pain ripped through the side of my chest. Zyla ran to my side. Maybe stay here tonight, she offered. Sebastian's face in that moment could be all that I needed to get through the remainder of my recovery period. That's not a good idea, he stated. Well, where is he going to go in this condition? Zyla asked with concern and intensity. Sebastian's shoulders stiffened. I don't mind taking him home. She grabbed a hold of his elbow, prompting him to follow her to the kitchen. Zyla's perspective. Seriously? I asked Sebastian. What exactly do you think is going to happen here? He's literally out of breath after two words. You think he's going to seduce me with his cane? I didn't mean to sound obtuse, but this is what I meant when I said Sebastian becomes barbaric in Maxwell's presence. We had significantly larger issues to take care of, and Sebastian is potentially concerned with what may transpire between Maxwell and I. Zyla, he began, it's not smart to have someone a part of the same investigation that we're a part of staying in your home. It's also not going to look good if he walks out of my home looking like the walking dead. I can hear you, Maxwell shouts from the living room. Listen, I continued, ignoring Maxwell. You can stay here too if you want, but there will be no sexy games. Do you understand? I asked, feeling like someone's mother. I couldn't help but feel like I was the cause of all of this. The guilt was peeling away at my naturally rigid exterior. Fine, he conceded. Good, I concluded. We reconvened in the living room. Okay, I started. I'm sleeping in my own bed. Maxwell, my couch turns into a bed. And Sebastian, there's my guest room. Guest room, he protested. I opened my mouth to shut down his whining when we heard a knock at the door. SFPD was shouted from the other side. My heart exited my chest. 
What the fuck? I whispered. San Francisco Police Department was at my door, and here we all sat.